right, welcome back to the I'm There podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. Yep. Today, we have a very, very special guest, one of the most dominant players in the last several years. The guy who was on the team that won the last YCS before the pandemic. Uh, He just topped YCS Niagara, got pretty far in bracket. And honestly, just one of the people who's been innovating and destroying the competition. Dominic Couch is with us today. I'm so happy to have you on, Dom. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling great. I'm glad to be here. I've kind of, I've, I've like kind of wanted to come on for a while. I've listened to a few of them. Like, yeah. you did one with Marcus Hayden, and like me and Marcus Hayden like grew up together. We went to the same local. Oh shit! So, so y'all been yeah, like competitors yeah, like, for a while. From the same area, yeah. I'm from the same area as like Marcus and the Con brothers, and like Matt Collier, yeah. RJ. So those are a lot of those people you just named. I know. I mean, I know all of them actually. I know RJ. I know the yeah. the Con brothers. I know Marcus, obviously. And they're all really good players. So I feel like you came up around a good amount of uh, decent competition, which probably made you better. Like, like, like somewhat. When I went to locals more so, it was when I was like a dragon duelist and we were we were all terrible, except like Matt and yeah. like RJ, right? But Yeah, because they're older. And like, and like Dirk was good, but I like never really interacted with Dirk when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I like came back to Yu-Gi-Oh! And like, pendulum ftk format yeah so like, like, like 2018 yeah that's when i started playing again and like marcus was a champion and then like faisal and imran were both champions and i was like oh <laughs> yeah, my it's god kinda crazy i still <laughs> think that they have one of the craziest stories only because i hung out with them before any of them had won a ycs and then like mm-hmm. i quit and right after i quit well marcus won while i was still playing he's actually that was the last YCS I topped, I think, uh, the one where he won in Minneapolis. And then after mm-hmm. that, like, I quit. And then Faisal and his brother both won. And I was like, what the fuck happened? Like, the, your entire group that I was hanging out with at YCS is like, for I don't even know why, but at YCS is I just started hanging out with Marcus and Faisal and his brother and, like, their, their whole posse. And then next thing I know, all of them became YCS champions. And Marcus always talks about, like, it's just, just a really weird phenomenon. But um, to see people who, like, you know... And like you're just chilling with, and you know they sometimes scrub out or whatever. And the next thing you notice, like, yeah, these are the best players in the game right now. Like they're they're holding it down. Like there was a period where Faisal and Muhammad were just they were just going back to back, like finals appearances, uh, high top cut, and yeah, it's really it's really nice to see how all you guys came up. But uh, where did you like? How old were you when you first started playing Yu-Gi-Oh? Oh man. Uh... So, like, when I first started playing would have been when I was a Dragon Duelist, which would have been... I mean, I'm going to make everybody feel old because I'm a baby. Yes, but... you are very young, apparently, which is so crazy <laughs> to me. Um, I think I was, like, 11 years old, and that would have been, like, 2000... Was it 2022? So, uh, like, 2013, 2012. So, I would have been... If it was 2012, I would have been, like, 10, 9... Somewhere in there. Oh my god. Ten? Hey. Ten? Yeah, that's insane. Did you have success as a Dragon Duelist? Like were you actually good then? Uh, I top I top forward um the Detroit Nationals yeah. uh with Dragon Duels, but uh other other than that, no, I only played Dragon Duels for two years. Uh I did not top in twenty thirteen, which is the first time I ever like tried to play a bigger event. It was in my hometown. It was Nationals in Chicago at yeah. Navy Pier. I was there. Real quick, um, um, I always yeah. knew about Dragon Duels. That's like 
for the younger kids. Is it a different format or is it just the same format but age oh, it's the same format. Same format. Okay. I wasn't ever sure if it was a different format. Yeah, they play the same exact format, but it's just it's it's age locked. Age gated, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you know, you grow up and you come back to the game, and I don't know yep. what the fuck clicked, but like <laughs> you have just been destroying. I I don't I always wonder like what happened? Like where did you get so good from? Like how did that happen? What was the what was your first uh, top? My first top was the two hundred YCS. And that was where? And- Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Who won that one? Uh, that was the one Manav Duar won. Okay. I don't know if I was... I don't think I was there. Yeah, it was the t- the 200th YCS in Ohio, and that was in 2018. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely was... I was done with Yu-Gi-Oh! in 2018, so yeah, I, I definitely was not there. But okay, that so that was, that was, was the 200. Like Goki, Sky Striker, Shenanigans. What were you playing? Uh, I played Sky Striker. Um, I built my deck with Marcus... And another one of uh, our good friends that you might know, his name is Bernardo Miranda. Yeah, definitely heard of him. And yeah. yeah. uh, me, me, Marcus, and Bernardo were just like labbing this striker deck at Marcus's house. Like me, the three of us, like for a long time. And that's really like the only event that me and Marcus like really tested for. Um, which is kind, of, which is kind of crazy, right? Because yeah. you would expect like. Uh, like me, Marcus, or like the cons, like all of us to work together. They like, I was friends with Mark. I was like really good friends with Marcus, and we'd hang out, hang out, and play a lot. But a lot of the times we would not agree on the same deck. Yeah. And so like, so like Mark, yeah, and they all played for like TGS trades or whatever, which was uh, our friend Nick Vidmar's store and Frank and Frank Bam, and they uh, so they all played for like the same team in Chicago. And I was kind of like the guy on the outside, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like they all tested together a lot, but I only like I hung out with Marcus and would like play with Marcus, but I didn't. I never played with like the cons or any of that. <laughs> I'll say this: every time you say the cons, it just makes me laugh because I know you know about all the fucking drama that's going on right now in the community <laughs> with with Faisal Khan. But that shit is so funny because uh, they're like he's a con man. Uh, he, he went to the same high school as me man this shit is kind of crazy it's so funny I don't, kenny i'll just fill you in a little bit from what i've seen but he's being memed to death right now basically uh there's like a lot of rumors and speculation going on I, i'm gonna say allegedly because i don't know the facts but there's a lot My of favorite word yes there's a lot of allegedly scamming that he did in the community with like cards and stuff and uh, you know, selling the same cars to multiple people. So, like, I sell it to you, you send me the PayPal money, I sell it to you, you send it to PayPal money or whatever. Yeah, it, and, it, 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 it like, definitely happened. Which yes, is like yeah, that, that's what that part. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say allegedly, because, again, I, I am not part of yeah, it, but I just see yeah. it comes on my timeline because I follow a lot of the funniest pages. And, uh, yeah, they say, like, you know, his name, his name has Khan in it. So it's just... <laughs> His name, but his name. Yeah, your hustle on somehow, man. Yeah, so it's a recession. It we is gotta make recession. money. It is a recession. People yeah. gotta do what they gotta do. But uh, yeah. So so if you were testing back with like Marcus and those guys uh back then, and they were on a team. Have you have you been part of a team or anything like that? Like, were you sponsored at any point or like? Uh yeah. So I'm actually. Ooh, I used to be known somewhat as a little bit of a team hopper. Okay. Um, well, that sounds like uh, a man who I, knew what was best for him. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I could tell you, like, do you want 
only the bigger name teams I've played for, or do you want them all? You could just tell me the bigger names because some okay, of them I probably okay. won't recognize if they're like the local, you know. Yeah. So like I initially played for like this team for my locals, and then went on uh, to play for like another small, uh, smaller like Wisconsin team, and then like, uh, yeah, there were some issues there, so I left, and then. The first big name team that I played for uh, was PPG. Okay, that was and part of that I team. Became really good friends with Kamal and Ruben and Fredella. Yep, uh, three and other really then, good players. And then when I was on PPG, Kamal and Fredella both got banned, so PPG kind of like died. Yeah, because that was PPG. Uh, Kamal, like, yeah, yeah, like the core of PPG, like the people that were traveling and topping were like me, Kamal, Fredella, and Ruben. Yeah, so, so like. Two of the four of us get shot, right? Like, yeah, that's tough. God, that had to be so not fun. Yeah, and then I became like good friends with Jesse Cotton, and this brought me to the end of my team hopping. Uh, and I played for Game Nation. I, I met the owner of Game Nation with Jesse at uh, two of these regionals, like back to back, that I was doing on the World's Grind. Like, I lived in Chicago, and Jesse lives lives in Canada, so. Um, you know, when we were both doing the world's garden, we'd see each other like almost every weekend. Yeah. And so I met the owner of his team, me and the owner of his team, like super hit it off. And I was already friends with Jesse and he like kind of scooped me up off PPG and I started playing for game nation and I played for, for game nation from 2019, like the beginning of 2019, almost like March, 2019, Mm. all the way until covid where uh the team didn't disband they still have like some of the canadians but they let like me asala Furman, and jesse all go yeah um and then during covid i joined jobber and then after i talked wrestling fan i like the name of that team jobber? yeah jobber is a great name jobber is awesome what does that mean but, wrestling i'm lost on that one so in wrestling a jobber is so, you know, the superstar wrestlers like the Rock, Stone Cold, right? Yep. So a jobber are wrestlers that you get over on. They're wrestlers that almost always lose. Like their their role in the community is to like lose and make other wrestlers look good. Yeah. That's what uh that's what jobbers are. They they're wrestlers cool. that yeah, they just lose and they make other wrestlers look good. They get all the wrestlers over and just shit like that. So okay. when somebody gets called a jobber, that's kind of what it is. It's just like, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, I love that that's name. Big. But yes, yeah, so I played for Jobber for one YCS after COVID. Oh, uh, I played for YCS. for YCS Charlotte and I topped. Uh, but then I joined my current team that I play for now still. Uh, and that is Top Choice Gaming. Um, they're out in Colton, California. Um, really, really great guys. Sponsored by Karan Gill and them. And who's uh, who's they, on your uh, team? so they it's pretty funny actually they gave me like the team captain role of course and then they pretty much were like hey you know you're the first like pro that we picked up yeah you can pick your teammates (laughs) i I would really like that yeah Yeah, so so they were like sign whoever you want (laughs) awesome and then so yeah i like that a lot i brought avery foster with me Mm -hmm. uh clifton land uh alexander juneha yep um, Base Lolly, Mount right? Fuji, 
Mount Fuji is he likes to be called nowadays. He likes to be called what now? Mount Fuji. Okay. <laughs> is, he a, is he a big fella? Is that a big fella name? No. Like, we're talking <laughs> about Bass Lolly, right? Fella. Yeah, we are talking about Lolly. Okay, so his name used to be Bass Lolly in the community for like a decade, Kenny. And okay. apparently now, and he's a skinny, like Indian guy. I think I think he's like Indian descent, yeah, he right? Yeah, he's like skinny, tall, um, funny guy. Like he's always been around as far as I remember. And he's not big at all, though. Like, as, if you mean, like, as in weight, he's not. But now he wants to be called Mount Fuji for some reason. So, you know, I'll respect it. Whatever. And the last three uh, pros, like, names that I brought with me were Kenny Nguyen. Yep. Um, um, Benji Wyman and Blake Funderburg. Oh, I like all of them, especially the last two. I really like Blake. Blake is hilarious to me. Blake is, Blake is great. This also some young names in it because blake is also a kid like well not literally yeah, but you guys are like the same age. <laughs> yes you guys are both young adults like very very young adults uh okay so i'm gonna just ask you this because i'm sure people are interested in this type of thing and i don't want to be pretentious but i just wonder how many tops do you have do you know like the number you want do you want konami you can do it however you want because i tell people and i think that this is the best way to do it is like konami but also if you want to throw in ARGs or like, I don't even know what else, PPGs or whatever, just like have them separate. It doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm not really harping on, you know, what people classify them as. Um, I just know uh, that you've been doing a lot. So. so let me double check. Yep. Do your so thing. I'm pretty sure I have 22 now. Oh. Uh, I think 17 are Konami. So I can double check. I have 22 as well. I, uh, 16 are Konami. Man. Now he's got to go out of his way to get at least one more. <laughs> well, I mean, he's going to, he's obviously going to surpass me. <laughs> I haven't played in six years. And you I, don't think they're doing, I don't think they're doing any Edison, uh, YCSs anytime soon. So well, if, they, well, if they did. Well, Dominic looks me up. Stuff like this always reminds me of, I don't know if you ever saw, there's like an interview. It's like Kobe and Shaq, but they're interviewing each other and Shaq, or one of them asked the other one about when Kobe got uh, the fifth ring because Shaq had like four championship rings and then Kobe got five. And he was like really happy about it that he was able to get one more than Shaq. And yeah. when, because I think they got three when they were together. And then when they were separate, Shaq got one and then Kobe got two. And Kobe was like in an interview after the, the game, he was like, I got one more than Shaq and shit. And anyway, they're like, you know, they have like a fun little rivalry. Yeah, it's because cool. it's the same thing with like a Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, right? Like they were on the yeah. Patriots together for 20 years and they won six Super Bowls, right, together. And then Tom goes to a different team for the first time ever in his career. And it's this mm. huge question of who was it really? Was it really Tom Brady or was it really Bill Belichick? And Brady won immediately when he went to another team. Like yeah. first year at the Buccaneers is like win the Super Bowl. Now he has more wins than any franchise in the entire sport. Like one person has more wins than anyone in the fucking sport of, of uh, football. It's just crazy, right? Like that is a crazy stat, but it also kind of put to rest, or at least for a lot of people, there's always going to be haters. Uh, Tom Brady has a lot of them, but like it puts to rest the question of like, can you do this without Belichick, right? Like that, like you prove that you can clearly still win even if you're not under that one coach. Uh, and I think that Bill Belichick obviously is a super integral part of the reason why Brady is as good as he is. Like it's, I think they work together and that's like the, the thing, but yeah, I, I get exactly what you mean when you say 
having that rivalry uh, and just trying to have one more than one more than your friend or whatever. Yeah, especially if the like, person, yeah. especially if people are trying to say like, oh, you only could do it with this person, right? Like they're like, oh, you you had Shaq, so that's the only reason why you can win. And yeah. It's like, okay. Well, now I don't have Shaq, and I still won twice. But it was actually really funny. So after I top Charlotte, Max Max Reynolds comes up to me and he goes, "Well, you did exactly what you said you were going to do four years ago. You tied me." So he knew he knew how many tops you had too. Yeah. <laughs> I love how competitive Yu-Gi-Oh is. So okay, so you said it's twenty-two, and yeah, that includes seventeen Konami, and then the rest yeah. of them are like a mixture, I guess, of PBGs, ARGs, or something, something like that. Yeah, and then like throughout the Konami ones, um, four four of them are like the remote dual ICSs. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, those are yeah, those uh, are fun. I got yeah, I top three of the remote dual ICSs, and then I top four the invitational. So some people don't count the invitational. So if you don't count that, I have sixteen Konami. But sure. Yes. Yeah. How does the why invitational? Yeah, go ahead. Ken. Yeah, I was, I was gonna, gonna say, say why something. wouldn't you? So for example, I don't know if Fraser's like this too. I don't know if you're in the Smash Bros or other fighting games, Dom. But uh, I've watched them. And Super Smash Bros. Yeah, like Melee and Ultimate. There's one of the biggest tournaments of the year is called the Summit, and those are invitationals. And they're some of the biggest tournaments of the year, some of the most competitive. There's also fun things that happen in the weekend, but those tournaments are regarded and held very highly in the communities, like competitive yeah. tournaments. Anyway, and I think in most communities, invitationals are usually regarded very highly because that's kind of the point of them. It's like we're grabbing whoever we think are like the best players at this time and throwing yeah. throwing them in this gauntlet. All, well, I say all that to say. Kind of what are the deals? Why? How come people don't count invitationals or whatever in this case in the Konami events? So, because of like the nature of remote duel, like the best duelists did not always want to play, and you had to play like you had to play like a remote duel, like um, like a qualifier. Then after you do well and like get your invite in that qualifier. Then you have to win like, like your pod um, that you qualify into, and then after you win or get second place, you have to get first or second in your pod. Then, out of the eight pods, uh, those sixteen duelists play in the invitational. But like, you know, the best at a YCS, like all the best names are going to be there always, yeah. right? Yeah, like everybody's yeah. going to be there at like the invitationals, like. It's like who it's like, yeah, there are some great names that end up there because they decided to play, but not everybody always played. So yeah, like somebody- and I can attest to that because I know Silverman, Steve Silverman hates remote duel wise. Like he refuses yeah. to do like remote duels, for example, really good player, right? Like one of the best two ICS champion, uh, several, like he has double digit tops and he also doesn't play Yu-Gi-Oh that much, but he's like one of the most decorated players in the game's history, really? but he like hates to play remote duel YCS. He's not the only person who feels like that. A lot of people just don't want to play remote duels in general. And so I see what you're saying. It kind of alienates a part of the most competitive player base. They're just like, yeah, I'm good at the game, but I don't want to play this. Like I just, this is this format I don't care for. That's understandable, but I would still say, regardless of who enters, the event is the event and it still counts. Cause like same thing happened with a bunch of games during COVID, right? Like a bunch Mm -hmm. of fighting games had online tournaments. A bunch of players didn't like the online netcode for those fighting games, so they didn't enter. 
But like those tournaments still happen and there were still winners. And to say like those people didn't win a, a Street Fighter tournament or a Smash tournament is like insane. Yeah. And then there's a lot of players who people are like, oh, he's only good because it's online. Once real events come back, he won't be good anymore. And then those players stayed good. Yes, one of those players became the second best in the world. So just, but yeah, I yeah. I know that the whole stigma around like the remote stuff and uh, there was all this. This is a lot going on with the remote stuff, especially I guess yeah. like this this year and last year. Uh, every time somebody won one, there was always fighting on Zodiac Duelist, and it seems like that's just a thing in general. But I always say the haters going to talk regardless, so might as well give them a fucking good story. I will say this. Zodiac Duelist, I'm guessing, is just like a forum or whatever, right? It's a Yu-Gi-Oh forum? It's just a Facebook page, Yu-Gi-Oh. and it, but it's the biggest uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. I think it's the biggest Yu-Gi-Oh page, period. Like Okay, Facebook. so it is like a set. So what I was going to say is I've heard you guys mention Zodiac Duelist a couple times in general mm-hmm. in other episodes. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm fucking shocked that there's still a Yu-Gi-Oh forum because everything just moved to like Reddit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in like a duelist grounds when it used to be really big or Pojo anymore. That shit's, yeah, yeah. that shit's basically done. Uh, I know that there's remnants of it, but like you know, the community at large is on Zodiac duels. But you get a lot of trolls on there, and a lot of shit posting and a lot of copy copy pasta type stuff. It's it looks like a fucking Twitch stream chat. Like when mm-hmm. you go on Zodiac Duelist and you just it it looks like this. You ever seen like a Twitch stream chat where they just keep copying, pasting the same shit over and over again? It looks like that. Um, I don't go in there often, but like when there's something funny happening, I love it. Like I, I I respect it for what it is, but a lot of times I wish that people could just stay on topic or like I don't know. Some of the opinions are so bad, and that's not necessarily a Zodiac issue. That's just like a player made the community issue. Like the some people just have these really warped mindsets on like ban lists for example like right now they're like oh this should be like we don't need to ban mystic mind now because everybody has found counterplay for it. it's like that's not how that works like that card still needs to go like why the fuck do you think that just because people are eradicating in their main deck that it makes mystic mind okay to stay around like that is such a stupid mindset but like that's the type of stuff that you'll see on there and it's just i don't even try to argue you will never catch me arguing with somebody in the comment section of a zodiac post i just refuse they're gonna have to tag me directly and i'll have the feeling like i have time today (laughs) like i'm just not a fan um but i wanted to ask you about so we talked a bit about your um you know how many tops you have and stuff like that but obviously you know the biggest accomplishment is if people are looking at this on patreon looking at the video version of the podcast uh dominic couch we have him with scott page and steve silverman on their ycs winning team gonna finish that which i think is a brilliant name by the way and they won a 3v3 ycs it was in what vegas or california yeah it was in vegas it was in vegas yeah so you were in one of my favorite cities in the world i I love 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 vegas it's so fun especially if you're 21 Uh, that is i was gonna say that is a highly degenerate take only degenerates love Vegas. Vegas is awesome. It's my favorite city, and I've never been there above the age of 21. Right. So, like, the only time you've been there, you won a YCS and then, like, weren't able to actually gamble because you're not of age yet. Well, but, yeah, Vegas is awesome. So, how did how did this team come about? Because, you know, I don't want to just say it's because you guys is weight, but, like, the name of the team 
was... Okay, that is where the name of the team came from. Yes, the name of the team clearly came from you guys being the biggest duelists in the room. And I love... Yeah. Like, the name is so good. Going to finish that because it's like, whenever I'm eating with any one of my friends who's, like, you know, on the bigger side, they definitely will look over at my plate and, I, you know, I have something left. And I'm like, yo, you going to finish that? So as soon as I heard that name, I thought it was hilarious. But at the same time, but prior to that event... Steve wasn't really playing that much. Like he had just learned about the like, dinosaur. Still wasn't in the tournament. You said what? He still wasn't playing at the tournament. He had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Like, he, he was just like, I don't really play, but I'm gonna go anyway. Have fun. It's, it's Vegas. Right. So it's like, even if I yeah. scrub out, even if I don't do well, I'm still in Vegas, which is kind of a great thing about going to events in like Orlando, California or Vegas, because no matter what happens, you have something to do. Um, but yeah, he goes, he goes and joins the team with you and Scott Page, and I watched a lot of the live stream for that event because I couldn't believe that you guys were like just crawling through top cut. I mean, those games were disastrous. Like, I just saw the feels that like I know Scott and Steve played dinosaurs, and they were yeah. just destroying people like with the quickness. It was, especially Scott. Scott knew exactly what he was doing, and then after. Scott would finish really quick that he would be like showing Steve like, okay, like this is what you want to do here. Uh, meanwhile, you yeah. were having your own games on the side, but ultimately, uh, yeah, how, how did that, how did that team form? Like, did you guys know going into Vegas, like we're going to play together and this is what no. we're going to. Okay. So what happened? Okay. So without getting into like any drama or too much detail, um, I was kicked off my team while I was already like like while I was on my plane to Las Vegas. Oh shit. This is actually I was crazy. To play, I was supposed to play with Cody Angeloff and Manavduar. Right. So you had and, a three V three team going into this event. Yeah. And then I got removed uh and they added Shuping uh Shuping. Yep. yep. He's from my local, so I know exactly who you're talking about. And it was because so pretty much the UDS, the shooting one, uh, was the week before Vegas. Like, they were back-to-back weekends. Yeah. So one, and I was flying from Tulsa, Oklahoma, to Las Vegas. And I was just spending a week in Vegas because it, it was cheaper and it was more fun, right? Yeah. So, sure. And then um, he won the belt. And, uh, yeah, again, without going into too much, like, I don't want to bring up the past. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got I got removed. They got him, and they got two buys. And oh, so wait, wait, wait. Okay, this is juicy. So, <laughs> if you have a guy on your team that has the belt, yeah, you all get two buys. Oh, that is fucking gross. That yeah, is, yeah. So like, like if you play a three v three with Joey Chow, you all get two buys. That's insane. Yo, that yeah. is insane to me. So like, it is you are incentivized. To have a team with someone with a UDS belt, if you can, like yeah, obviously yeah, it's yeah. very privileged to be able to even have somebody that would be willing to join and play with you on a three v three. But knowing, like, I don't know any of the drama. I have no idea. Yeah. I had no idea that you were on a different team completely before this YCS. Listen, regardless of the John drama, the fact that you got off removed from a team lineup. But your new team, you guys won. That is the I best know. Shit that ever. night you must have felt so fucking good. I would have cried. I hope you cried. Oh, you I must have felt good. I definitely cried. 
I would have cried so hard for like that. That's an insane story. Why is Kenny? A lot of times we have people on this podcast, the Yu-Gi-Oh players, like the great ones, and they always have these insane stories. So they like, aren't really known. They're like nobody really. Yeah, like that's Judd, a good. That's a good nugget of the fucking story. Like yeah. that is awesome. Like imagine flying somewhere and you're like, okay, this is the team I'm going to be on. I'm gonna play, and then you get kicked off the team or removed from the team or something happens between on the you and the team. You're in the air, and they're like, you're not There's on the like, team anymore. You're like, what the fuck? Like, literally what happened is I paid for Wi-Fi on my flight, right? Yeah. I wanted to watch something, and I paid the stupid person text because I forgot to download it, right? Yeah. So then I paid for Wi-Fi, and then I get a message from Scott and Silverman, hey, do you want to play with us in Vegas? And I'm like, sorry, I can't. I'm committed to a team. Wow. (laughs) And then 15 minutes later, I get kicked off, and I'm like, hey, have you guys found somebody yet? they're like, no. (laughs) Yo, this is the craziest shit. So like, this yeah, was like, I'll, yeah, this was divine intervention. It was, it was, it was crazy. That shit was meant to be, Dom. That's crazy, man. I am, uh, I'm a big believer in like, was meant to be will be, and so it was meant for it to happen that way. Like this, it you're that's how it was supposed to go. Whatever the drama was, whatever happened, it was meant to happen that way. And yep. now you are YCS champion for it, and that's that's fucking I great. About it, I'm. I got the I got the good end of the deal. So. You definitely got the good end of the deal. If I knew that I was jumping onto the team that's going to win the the tournament, and also it's not like when I say that it's not like you know you're you're the third member, you're like a rock on that team. Like you were honestly like the player that everybody was looking to as the leader of that team. Like from the outside looking in, I was like, yeah, I know Dom is the guy that like plays a lot, like he cares a lot, like he's really really good. And I believe you had the best record, right? Yeah, so I lost one match that whole tournament. Yeah, so you were just scraping everybody. Yeah, I, I only lost. It's so funny. If I did not go undefeated in Swiss, we would not have topped. What? <laughs> what does yeah, that mean? Their records in Swiss were not great, but they would lose opposite rounds. Good. So that meant that as long as I won. Yes. So you had to won. win. Right, right, right. So you had to consistently win out. That way, yeah. if like Scott lost, then Steve will win. And if Steve lost, then Scott will win. Uh, yep. And then you were the consistent middle line where it's like, I'm always winning, basically. How many rounds it was. How many rounds was that in there's, Swiss? There's 10 rounds in Swiss. Damn. So you went 9-1. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, no, no. I lost in top 8. Okay. Um, oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, you went undefeated two. in Swiss. You went 10-0. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost, I lost to Bowden, and, man, when I needed them to have my back, they had my back. That's, so, that's all. Look, that's what it's about. Listen, you carried, you carried them through the trenches. You put them on, you went through the trenches with them on your back, and then you were tired, and they're like, don't worry, we got you, boss. That's <laughs> they, had, they had me for sure. That's yeah, awesome. That is Can I say, on the note, you look like you were playing well because the picture that's above me, if you're looking at the video, I fucking love your face in this picture. <laughs> you look like, I don't know what's happening in this picture, but you look like you're just looking at your cards and looking at the field. And you're like, this guy does not know. He's done. He's de- This picture is the cockiest face I've ever. I fucking love your face. You're looking at your shit like you don't even know you're dead. You don't even know that you're fucking dead. <laughs> so. Before this podcast started, uh, me, Kenny, and, and Dominic Couch were all talking about uh, how much smaller he's gotten weight-wise, you know, 
at, during the pandemic because the pictures that we have up are from years ago now. And, you know, you had quite some weight on you. And even on your team, like on the team that you went with, you said this too, like you were one of the biggest, if not the biggest, right? Like you were. Yeah, I, think I, think, I, I think I weighed the most out of the three of us. Yes. And I think you said upwards of like 500 something plus pounds. Yeah, it was bad. It was uh, bad. But now you informed us uh, prior to this podcast, and I didn't want to talk about this, is that you actually lost like 200 pounds since then. And uh, which is amazing. And I just want to say, like, formally, congratulations on this pod, like on the podcast and everything, Um, because that is a lot of weight to lose. And it's not easy at all. I know a lot of people who have a hard time with their weight and just that whole like, especially during the pandemic, a lot of people gained weight. And somehow you found the motivation and the perseverance to actually lose weight and, you know, get get yourself to a point where you like, you feel healthy and like, you look like a new man, like even like right here, like looking at you on discord, everything. Uh, I mean, you look good, bro. Like you really do. So I'm glad that like you're taking care of yourself and everything. How did you, how did this begin? Like how did this weight loss journey start? Like you went to YCS in 2020 and yeah. you know, you're, you're on a high right now. Like you got kicked off a team or whatever you went to YCS, like you get your retribution and things are doing great. Then the pandemic happens. The whole world shuts down. Yu-Gi-Oh! is basically canceled. And like, what happens where you where you decide, okay, I want to make a life-changing decision to better myself in this way? Well, uh, it was because I want... No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> well, that could be a catalyst, uh, though. <laughs> maybe a little bit. But So, like, a lot of my weight thing is I, uh, I, I'm, like, pretty open about it. I, like, suffered from depression. For yeah. like a long time and that uh still do occasionally but you know it's i know how to manage it now which yeah. is like the big difference like that version of dominant couch did not know how to deal with anything a uh, you were also younger i mean you're still young was, compared to me and like, fraser you but old, you know uh, you're younger like, you, you learn as good time goes on but pretty much um I kind of woke up one day during COVID and I'm like, man, um, so you can't love, I believe that you can't love anybody unless you love yourself. Right. I and I feel like I had so many people in my life, um, that like deserve to be loved. Right. And I'm, I'm like, man, if I don't love myself and I can't fix myself, like I can't be that guy or that person that, can love everybody else because I don't even love myself. So I realized that like before I can, you know, try to help other people and like be there for other people. Like I wanted to be like, I had to be there for myself first and, and like kind of pick myself up out of the trenches there. And I definitely had like some help along the way from my father and, uh, you know, some close friends of mine, like, it, words of encouragement all the time uh one of the biggest guys that man and i i love this guy man i really love this guy he would message me all the time to check in on my weight loss journey uh you know him. He, it's guyton george's oh yeah i love guyton yeah I'm, i always I'm, say I'm really guyton is my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh player yeah i'm i'm really close with all those guys the christian guyton carl sean pascal um and Guyton would like, you know, check in and I'd send Guyton updates or whatever. And it's that, that guy was really there for me. So like, he was kind of like an accountability partner in a way. 
Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly right. Like, like I would check in with him, and he'd be like, "Like good shit, like keep it up." Yeah, and that helps like, a lot. Like it really does. Good. I had a friend that used to call me every day and be like, "Did you go to the gym today?" And I'd be like, "No, but let me get ready now." Because like, I just knowing that he was going to ask made yeah. it where I wanted to just constantly go anyway. It's like, yeah. okay, he's gonna, I'm gonna get a call or a text from him anyway. So either I'm going to start lying or I'm just going to fucking do it, and which is what I set out to do anyway. Don't and he, lie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, you're only lying to yourself, right? Like he's not affected exactly. by it. My friend who would be my accountability partner, he had a perfect body anyway. So he was just like, you complain about your body, but then like you don't do anything about it. So, you know, it doesn't do anything if you lie to me. Like you, you're not really lying to me. Like you're lying to yourself. Um, but no, that's, that's dope. I didn't ever need that guy to play the, uh, a nice role in that and just, you know, just motivating you and like keeping you going. Those guys, those guys play a huge role in my life. Uh, I'm so think so thankful that I met them through Yu-Gi-Oh! And that goes for so many other people as well. But, yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh! The community and honestly the friends, you know, they mean, but the friends you make along the way, like that shit really does matter because I don't even think I would have played Yu-Gi-Oh! As long as I did, if it wasn't for the people that I've met while playing the game, like yeah. my closest friends in life, all are Yu-Gi-Oh! Players to a degree. Like I've met all of them basically through Yu-Gi-Oh! The mm-hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh! is the reason why I like right now, even though we don't all travel and, competed every YCS. It's like, these are still my closest friends though, because I don't even know how to be friends with people who are just outside of the community that much. Like it's, I'm so, I I guess I'm just like so integrated into the Yu-Gi-Oh community that I only know the friends that I grew up with when I was a teenager playing the game. And yeah, they're still around today. Like I still hang out with them all the time. Like I go over Steve's house all the time. Like every Thursday we play like, you know, Edison and stuff like that. And like Sean McCabe pulls up like a lot of my other friends and we go out to eat and go out to eat really nice dinners and stuff. Uh, people are getting married, people having kids, but at the end of the day, like Yu-Gi-Oh brought us together originally. And I hope that it just like, you know, we just stay best friends, you know, forever because yeah, I, I don't see why we wouldn't. Right. So, uh, but yeah, I, I was going to ask for you, was it a change in like your diet or did you like, like what it, what steps did you take to kind of uh yeah so started like not like hard calorie counting cuz like I'll, I'll be honest like doing like the my like I tried doing the my fitness pal thing and like yeah. every time I put it in and it's just, dude, you just can't do it like it's so hard to do that every single time yeah trust me I used to do that myself and I do it for like a good month and then after a while you miss yes. it for like one day like you stop doing it one day and then you just kind of never go back Exactly. So, like, I tried doing that, but it was, it was kind of, it didn't really help that much. But I definitely would like relabels, and as long as you kept like a caloric deficit, you'd always like lose weight. So, yeah. like, I tried to maintain a caloric deficit, uh, eat like regular portion sizes, and like, cause, cause, like, you don't get that big like that was unless you are eating like a behemoth. So, yeah. Like if I just eat like a regular person and then um, I went to the gym like f- four days a week for a long time. Uh, I, mean, I try to go like five. Let now. me ask real quick in the middle there. Um, in terms of the, the diet, you said you were eating like behemoth sizes. When yeah. you started cutting the sizes of your meal portions, did you mm. like, did you find you were like really fucking hungry? Was there a period of time when like, you were eating less and you were just like suffering because you were hungry, but then eventually it became normal. 
Um, how, how was that transition going from eating a lot to eating, as you said, normal portions? Did you feel like you were hungry all the time? What, like, what was that transition like and going from feeling hungry to feeling normal or whatever? Yeah. So like anytime you like change your diet, you're going to feel like hungry because you know, even if, even if it's not eating as much, even if you're not changing like the portion sizes and you're just changing like the times that you eat, um, you're going to feel hungry just cause like, that's what your body's naturally used to is like eating it X time. Sorry. And, uh, so I like probably for a couple weeks, maybe a month, uh, I was like kind of hungry and like I had a binge, I say had I probably still have but I have a like a binge eating disorder so I like got that under control a lot and uh once that was under control then you know eating like regular meals and stuff like that um I did intermittent fasting for a long time still do that um Yeah me too that's that stuff like helps a lot and like regular like intermittent fasting helps a lot because you're regulating it and so like your body won't actually be like that hungry doing stuff like intermittent fa- or at least i wasn't like i i don't want to say like what worked for me worked for everybody else but uh what worked for me was like doing the intermittent fasting and then having like one like larger meal a day um because then you'd be like full and your body would regulate like the time that you eat so i would try to eat around the same time every day and then your body would just be like yep this is like the regular schedule we're chilling yeah kind of deep. yeah for me when i do intermittent fasting which i still do right now i eat every day between 12 to 8 um and usually i try not to deviate from that but like sometimes if i don't start eating until one then i do i do from one to nine for example but uh i i do like a so for eight hours i'll i'll eat through an eight-hour window, and then for the other sixteen hours of the day, I'm fasting. But most of those hours, I'm asleep anyway, or at least when I when I used to get good sleep. But now, these days, I stay up way too late. But yeah, intermittent fasting does help because you can only eat during whatever window you set for yourself. You can set whatever window you want, but you can only eat eat during that time. And what happens is this is what this is what I found happens for me. Like you said, it's different probably for everybody. But for me, what will happen is because I don't start eating until twelve. Once I start eating. You get full and then you can only eat so much in that period. And then once you have a hard stop at eight o'clock for me, like, it's like, okay, if I don't eat something before, sorry, if I don't eat something before eight, like that's it. So I, if I'm still kind of hungry and it's like seven, seven thirty, then I'll eat something like real quick. And then I'm like, all right, that's it for today. No matter like how many cravings I have, no matter how much I want, like, a, usually for me, I have a really big thing where I love sweets. I love like chocolate and candy and stuff like that. Um, cupcakes and all that. Like I'm a really big sweets guy and I used to just snack really late at night. Like before bed, 12 o'clock, I'll fucking eat a pop tart. Like I'll literally put a pop tart in a toaster oven or whatever and just like go crazy. Um, but like now. Uh, with the intermittent fasting, it's like, okay, I can only eat so much in an eight hour period. My body is literally going to get full and that's it. So then the next day it just kind of repeats and you just get, like you said, your body regulates it. So you get used to it. You get used to eating this portion size, you know, and just kind of being like, all right, like that's, that's how much food it takes for to get you full in a day. And then, uh, it gets easier over time. It all gets easier. Like I'm sure you've experienced that too. After you get through that initial, the hardest part of any diet, I feel like, or any lifestyle change is like the first two weeks. And then, yeah, it's, it's 
hardest to start like with anything with any it, like forming any habit the hardest thing to do is is start it yeah so once you once you get past that part you're like all right you know now i can i can really do this i get addicted to the gym like whenever i start going to the gym uh i just it becomes such a big part of my life like every every time it's like yeah this is something i want to do three to four times a week and people are like damn like you've been going to the gym like crazy and it's just i don't know it becomes addictive like all of it becomes very addictive after a while but yeah 200 pounds man that is that is insane like ugh, i'm going to go ahead what are you saying start so I still got a long way to go, but it's it's a start. Yeah, it's a two hundred pounds. That's a fucking start. That's insane. So you uh, you also I said earlier you topped YCS Niagara right here, and you got I see top. I'm looking at the top eight playoffs, and this is one of the craziest top eights I've seen yeah. in a long like this top eight is fucking stacked. So you got Jesse Cotton versus uh, Victor Lamb. Raymond yep. Dye versus Luke Parks, uh, Dominic Couch versus Chansey Wigglestove, uh, Christian Arena versus Pack. So yep. this is like, this is literally one of the most stacked top eights I've seen in modern. Have you seen top four? Top four. Let me see. So let me back out of this page. I think top four features. So you got Raymond versus Christian Arena, and then obviously I know. Um, well, Jesse Cotton was also in there as well, and I'm guessing were you also part of the top four? So, yeah, it was me. Yep. So this, yeah, this top four is even more crazy. It's like everybody who was supposed to win top eight won top eight. <laughs> supposed to win is so crazy. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> you guys are. I mean, you guys are like broken as hell though. Like this is okay. I finally, I finally clicked on it. So yeah, Dom versus Jesse. Uh, Christian versus Raymond. This is this was anyone's YCS, and it's just crazy to me that there's three tier elements, and then there's the Exo Sister deck, and that's the one that ends up beat, beating it. But I guess the dead deck has a really good matchup against tier tier elements or something. Yeah, that, well, the the craziest part is like me, Jesse, and Gunther all played different versions of the tier element deck. Yes, because I see Jesse played uh, tier elements, danger sprite. You play tier elements, sprite, danger, punk. And then Christian Arenas just says tier limits. I don't know if he had anything yeah, else. He, he played like 15 hand traps and like Dynamiscus. Like, yeah, the trap yeah, kind of banishes. What you like to call it was like average deck for, an, for like an average man or something. Crazy. Oh, yeah, like I saw average, that. Yeah. Average, average deck is so funny. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, this is great though. The fact that um, all you guys had different ideas. So I'm assuming that the three of you didn't really coordinate too much on your decks together. Uh, I, I know that I did not work with any of them. Well, okay. I don't know if they work with each other because I, I know that they're teammates. Yeah, because but... their decks are so different. And that's why I assume that they just kind of like. It's cool that you mean you can take the same base deck and then just be like, okay, well, this is how I want to play it. And it you guys all had success. What happened between you and Jesse in top four? Uh, I rolled Snake Eyes for the second time against Jesse in top four or better. Wow. Um, so you lost yeah, that that's, that's crazy. I couldn't believe I rolled Snake Eyes. I was so upset. But uh, man, because there's something about like losing the die roll, and then there's something about like man, I'm in top four. Snake Eyes, awesome. Yeah, the worst uh, thing you could possibly roll. And I know immediately, um, you probably thought to yourself, "Here we go again." Yeah, literally. I was, I lost to Jesse in the finals at Knoxville, 
and I also rolled Snake Eyes there. So I'm like, here we go again. Damn. This is great. So and Jesse then, stopped uh, you from winning a YCS before. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. So he's been like a thorn in your side. Yeah. It's so. I've, I've, me and Jesse have played so much. And like, I have never lost to Jesse in Swiss at a YCS. It's I have a like, top cut. I have a really, really good record against Jesse and Swiss at YCSs and UDSs. And every time we play in top cut, Jesse beats me. And he, be, he beats me so deep is the, is what hurts. It's like, <laughs> oh my. That's my, that's my rival. Yeah. I think you were telling me this on Facebook Messenger, but just to elaborate for the people listening, you were saying that the Tailaments mirror match is not the best, right? Like it is. Oh no, no, no! It's it's like not great at all. Like Abyss Dweller is ridiculous, um, especially the versions that me and Jesse played. Like whoever wins the die roll is going to win game one. Like it's it's like unbreakable for both decks. Uh, yeah, pretty that's not much. Good. Yeah, that's definitely bad. Kind of like, Outside of like some crazy combination of cards, like he played N- Nibiru, so like if he Nibiru's me and my hand sucks, or like he draws like Nibiru Super Poly and the board that I put up through Nibiru is Super Polyable, right? Like, or I have to draw like su- Super Poly, like Forbidden Droplet, or so- something ridiculous, right? It's just like yeah, not- you have to sack the person, basically, is what you're saying. Like, you have to like sack them so hard to win going second, and yeah. then. Uh, or like Hovindus milling ridiculous on their turn, some, something along those lines. Yeah. But you, you literally have to sack them. And then game two, I like go first, and I cannot like do my full combo. Like I didn't brick because I could still play cards. Yeah. But like for the purpose of like I'm playing the combo deck, I bricked. Like I like I like normal summon blue and then like special Distrudo. And then he what made it even worse is like. My bad board, um, Jesse made even worse because he cherried my elf, oh, and no. like making elf was like the only line of play I even had. Yeah, and he just took that away from you too. Because I didn't open well, so yeah. And then Jesse just like double super polyed me and killed me. It was it was great. <laughs> it was great. I got I got two uh, nicely. Would you change anything about that deck that you just topped with? Um. If I could go back, I wouldn't play Super Poly again. Uh, I think I think that that card was like good against like Sprite sometimes, and you can do like really cool things with it in the Tier Element deck. But like that card was really really bad in the Mirror, and the Mirror was really the only deck I was afraid of. So right, I might not play that card again. But then, then again, like pe- it's so rough because like pe- people in Swiss, and this isn't to say like everybody sucks or anything like that, but like pe- people in Swiss do not play around that card. Versus once you get to like top cut, right? Right. Like, so it's good cut, in Swiss. Or Jesse does, and the card gets a lot worse in top cut because like you play against like me or Jesse or whoever else, like their board is going to be like probably not super polyable. But like you play in Swiss, you draw Super Poly, you lose the roll, and you're like, oh my god, this card's a god card. Yes. Because they just like, like people would just leave like Abyss Dweller and Mud Dragon up, and you're like, wow, I can really Super Poly that Abyss Dweller. That's crazy. Yeah, like, like that's that not supposed to ever happen. So, it's like, yeah, I know what like, you mean. That's an interesting um, 
that's an interesting dynamic there is like the car is good in Swiss and terrible in top cut. Yeah. And uh, at that at that point, you just got to be like, I hope that I can get through Swiss with decisions in my deck that'll be more beneficial in top cut because that's where it's like it really matters like topping that's yeah that's an interesting point and um there's playing to win and playing to top right Right. some people just all they care they just want to get to the top they or get a top and so maybe they'll be like oh you know this card carries me through i get a top but if you have the mindset of playing to win you're willing to sacrifice a top because a top doesn't matter. It's like I want to win the yeah, event. Like these guys, yeah. At this level, it's like exactly how I feel. Like, dude, I don't care about it. Like, obviously, like for my own ego and whatever, right? Like, it obviously feels better to top thirty-two and lose than like everybody always says. Oh, I'd rather lose than not top thirty-two. But like, nah. I, I, when you don't top it, like, definitely is a, is a shot to the chest, yeah, yeah, right? yes. for sure. So like, well, I always say like, oh, I'd rather lose like round nine or whatever than not than like losing top thirty two. Like that's not true. I'd rather top, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what the like, fuck people are saying, but I would rather top every time. Um, Definitely, yeah. personally, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't sacrifice your deck just the top. Like, oh, I know this will beat all the scrubs. Yeah, so no, I'll do I, this just the top. Like, like if, but it won't if work I in top. Go, like back and forth, right? Like if every like three events, for example, right? If I could not top two events to guarantee like I top four a better one event, uh, like I would do that every time because like I I really only want to win again like over and over and over and over yes. again. I don't really I don't care about top thirty two and over and over and over again. It's like it's not special to me. Like right. winning is special. Right, at the level that, yeah, that's what I was saying. At the level that you guys are at, like, topping doesn't really mean anything. But, like, if the conversation is, would I not top 32? Or, like, people people say, like, oh, I'd rather not even top at all than get top yeah. 32 to lose. Like, I think that's just crazy. Like, I, I'll pass on that. Like, I, yeah. I'd rather, because when you fly to a place and, like, you book hotel and you do all that traveling and shit like that, and then you play, like, 10 or 11 rounds and then you lose on a bubble and then you don't top that shit is heartbreaking like it is not a good feeling to scrub out like and obviously i've scrubbed out tons of times because i played for a while and like everyone who's ever played has scrubbed out tons of times no matter how good they are and it doesn't feel good like it's like still one of those things that you wish like god damn it like that guy got so lucky or like i just drew so bad my deck just wouldn't comply i had so many outs you know how it is but um yeah, yeah at this point you guys just want to win and that makes perfect sense because when you have 22 tops, it's like, okay, like clearly people know that I can top events. That's not, I'm not proving that point anymore. I'm just trying to prove how many times can I get to the gold and getting to the gold is very, 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 very fucking hard. Like actually getting to the goal is very hard. Like you get to a point where like, you don't need to establish a legacy anymore or like create one, but you need to add on to it. Yes. And that's so, kind of this phase that you guys are in. Like, Jesse would have had his third win if it wasn't for... Jesse already has three wins. Does he? Yeah. What three does he have? I thought he won two YCS. He won, he won a YCS London was his first win. Uh-huh. And, he beat, and then he beat me in the finals at Knoxville. And then Jesse won the UDS belt in Panama. Oh, see, I forgot about that. He uh, had a belt. I don't know if I ever knew that. Yeah, I don't know if I ever knew that he got a in Panama. They had a UDS in Panama. Yeah, they had. They only had them in America and South America and like Mexico. 
So, all right. Well, c- congrats to Jesse for having for having a UDS belt from Panama. Aren't they getting rid of the UDS belt thing soon? Like, isn't that being uh, done away? No, no. With? So they were supposed to end it. Like to my understanding, like before COVID, they had set up this big tournament, right? Okay. Where they were going to have every person that won a belt like play in this like tournament, uh, like the ultimate duelist championship or whatever. Right. And then everybody would play against each other. And only the winner of that one, only the winner of all the UDS champions would be the one that got to keep the perks. Okay. Which I think is fine. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, whatever. Sure. But I do think it, I do think it's kind of ridiculous that like, you know, like sixteen duelists, or I don't know how many UDS champions. Yeah, there I have are, no idea how many there are at this point. Like, I think it's crazy that like somewhere between like ten duelists and like sixteen, somewhere in there, like they all they all get two buys every single turn. Yes, it makes it a lot easier to do well when you get two buys to every event. Um, it is the most nope. ridiculous prize in Yu-Gi-Oh's history. Like that is the craziest yeah. prize you could ever win is getting one of those belts. It also just makes because so many people with buys enter the tournament, it throws off the number system and like a lot of X twos just don't talk. Yes, I saw that. Because so many people with buys, like Bowden, I played Bowden round seven at Niagara. Does he have a belt? And we were no. Well, me and me and Bowden played against each other round seven, and we're both X one at Niagara. Yeah, and I I beat Bowden round seven. That's like deep. In yeah, the that's tournament, pretty right? damn deep. That's like deep. And then he wins out, right? Like, Bowden finishes X2 and is like 36th place. Doesn't yeah. top. <laughs> and he, like, he was X1 until round seven. Yeah. Like, it's not like he lost, like, the first two rounds. Either and then, and then I, like, uh... it goes vice versa with the belt also because the belts, like, the buys are perfect breakers. That's what so, I was wondering. So instead of it being like neutral or bad, it's actually just a good thing to have those buys. Yeah, it, it's like your round one and two opponent who are normally terrible, right? Yes. Like whoever you play round one or two of the tournament is normally not good. The 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 UDS buys count them as you played against two undefeateds in Swiss. Wow, that's actually nuts. So it's so powerful. Yeah, so so like if you have a belt, you can just lose like round three and four and be locked, which I think is insane. Yeah. That's absurd. <laughs> Somebody was saying that when the events are pretty small, too. I think I was listening to Jake Quincy's podcast. Shout out to Jake Quincy. We're going to have him on soon, too. He, uh, the TCG experience. I think he was talking about specifically Jesse Cotton. Like, for example, he gets two buys, and if he loses two rounds, and then the tournament's only like eight or nine rounds, it's like, okay. Yeah, he goes like four and one or, or five and one or some shit. And it's just like, yeah. Like you top, like they just it's crazy. Yeah, like wow. I think Rio was it was it was nine rounds I think of Swiss Rio, and Jesse had two buys in Rio, so Jesse has to go like five two in Swiss. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what they were talking about. They were talking about how absurd it was. Yeah, I think that's not. That's a yeah. cheat code. Yeah, that is one of the most absurd perks. I don't know of any other game off the top of my head that has a perk that is. Cr- such a crazy magic has a crazy perk there's like other games oh sorry i was Um, gonna say real quick magic has a crazy perk where if you finish the higher you finish in swiss you get the truth who goes first in your match in top cut 
Oh, like an like an ARG? Yes, that's where ARG got that idea from. So basically, Kenny, if I finish like third in Swiss and I have to play, you know, third plays like 30th. Um, if I play you, uh, we don't die roll in top cut. Like I just get to go first, which means the only time I'll ever go second is if I play against eventually the guy who got first in Swiss or second in Swiss. So the guy who goes who gets first in Swiss can just steamroll the tournament if it's a go first format. Like he can just absolutely destroy everybody just going for so that's a benefit of like in magic and it was in ARGs for a while and uh I got to play in that era of ARGs to see what it was like and I actually interestingly enough I did finish first in Swiss at one of the ARGs um and a really unfortunate thing happened that made like I I did not I would have won that ARG 100% but like the the most obnoxious and unreal thing happened to me that weekend, I just like fucked everything up. And normally, people don't get to go like you don't get to go uh, undefeated or go first in Swiss often. Like that's very hard to do in itself, just because Yu Gi Oh is a game of variance. But uh, to also be rewarded for it is yeah, it's really nice. I actually really like it, but I think for Yu Gi Oh, it doesn't quite work. Like Yu Gi Oh is such yeah. a volatile and ignorant game. It has no resource. That sounds toxic as hell. <laughs> yeah, it has no so resource. Great. It has no resource system, which is so bad. But like, I do like the idea that yeah, I went fucking ten and zero. I hate it when the ten and zero person just loses round one of of top cut. Like that shit is eight. Like that is just the worst thing that could happen. It's like yeah, you went ten and zero, and you beat all these people, and then you get the top thirty two, and you get unlucky. Like you finally got unlucky. Like something you you just do like unplayable. Your opponent just god handed you, and it's like well shit. Like that really sucks. Like. Um, I went uh, I went undefeated in Swiss at an ARG with a go second deck. <laughs> oh, okay. So then you yeah, got to be like for the rest really, of Yeah, I just had I was like, man, I wish I was playing like a combo deck and I could just start every you know. Yes, because it doesn't be really do anything that you're gonna make them go first because they want to go first anyway. Yeah, so I would like pick up their deck list, you know, because it's an ARG, you get to look oh, at yeah, deck list. Right. That was the thing too, you got look to see the deck. deck. And I'm like, <sighs> you could start, and I know that I'm like might get Goki comboed. Yeah, I'm like awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good feeling. If you did that yeah. and you had to go first deck, you're like sweet. Now every round I get to guarantee go first, which is so big in Yu-Gi-Oh. Still, uh, apparently, because if you got to go first in that tier elements mirror, like so, was your hand good against Jesse in top four in Niagara? Oh uh, yeah, like like if I win the roll, I would have won game one. A hundred percent. Yeah, because I he, he had Nibiru. But I could I could have played through Nibiru because I opened teleport, so okay. it didn't matter. Yeah, well, there you have it. I mean, that's just that die roll, man. Sometimes you look at your hand, and you're like, if I went first, this guy was fucking cooked. Yeah, like, I, I mean, it's, it's off. Yeah, like Jesse's a good friend of mine. That guy's literally awesome. So. Yeah, it happens. Happy I've been there plenty of times. I'm sure you've been. You look at your hand sometimes, you go second, you're like, man, I, this hand was crazy. You know what I hate? I hate drawing a god hand against a bad player. That shit is so annoying to me. Like, you feel I, like it's a waste. I feel like it's a waste. <laughs> I just look at my hand, I'm like, yo, this hand is crazy. And it's like, this guy doesn't even know what he's doing. Like you said, he left up a dweller and a mud dragon. It's like, yeah, I didn't need to draw a god against this. Like, I could have, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so annoying. And then you play against somebody ridiculously good, and then your, your deck starts drawing real weird. It's like, what is happening? It's, it's all right. Like it, it balances out. I got like fairly lucky throughout the tournament. Like I lost the roll to Bowden, so I lose game one. Bowden's playing like a similar deck, and then he's also playing the tier mirror. And then I like 
I drew game three. I opened like Gamma and Nibiru, and I'm like, awesome. <laughs> I yeah. I have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You got to be I, lucky uh, to I, win. I, I always say that. And I won the die roll, and it's weird because I feel like I might have traded. See, it is an interesting concept. Do you think – I have a question for you. Do you think if you top 32 tournament, right, Um, would you trade losing the die roll in top 32, top 16, and top 8 to win it in top 4 in the finals? Yes. Yeah, I, w- I would too. Yes. But I, I won the die roll in top 32, top 16, and top 8, but then I rolled snake eyes in top 4. So Yeah, like, yeah I would definitely right. trade – because, I mean, theoretically, your easier opponents are probably happening in top 32, top 16, top 8. And the harder opponent is probably going to be later in the tournament. Which, for this specific tournament, this, because the, the top 8 is so stacked, the die roll becomes so much more important the further you guys went into this. Like, I don't yeah. know the full list of top 32 people who, who topped this one, but, like, just seeing the top 8 players' names, I'm like, okay, yeah, whoever was winning the die rolls here... Definitely had the upper hand, especially because top eight was what six tier elements, one exo sister, and one something else, one sprite maybe. Right, right. Yeah, so like all of those tier tier elements decks, and you said the mirror match is not that good, which means yeah. you definitely need the die roll at that point. What did you play in like top thirty two, top sixteen in this tournament? Like what? I, you... Well, I played three sprite, and then I played Jesse. So, oh, uh, so you you went through a bunch top of sprite. 32, was like broken. Like you said, you didn't look at it. Top 32, I didn't play anybody bad. Like, yeah, I was going to say, top like, 32 you... opponent uh, was Jake Quincy. Oh, shit. Okay. I played, I played Jake Quincy in top 32. And then I played Mitchell Martin in top 16. Okay. And I then I played Chansey. And then I played Jesse. What happened? Uh, I saw Chansey. He posted something when he lost. I forget what happened. Um... Oh, yeah. So. Oh man, this play was crazy. I was so proud of this one. I was like walking around the top cut arena like an idiot, pretending to breathe fire. But, <laughs> and he, so there's there's like a there's there's like a dumb dragon on my top cut or my top choice gaming jersey. And I was the only representative for my team uh in in that top cut, right? right. So I do this crazy play against Chansey that, that I'll tell you and then, like, afterwards, like, I'm explaining my play, and then I just, like, put my hands up like this, <laughs> point at the dragon on my chest, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I, li- I look so stupid, but it was so I funny. love it. I love that because I love dragons. Like, I'm a big, yeah. like, House, House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones, and all that shit has made me just love, 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 love dragons. So, to me, as funny and weird as that does look, like, I'm I'm a guy who, like, watches anime, like, loves all that kind of yeah, shit anyway, I, so I, I get too. off to that. Like, I love all of that shit. Yeah, it was... I, I entertained myself and yes. nobody else. Which, that's which all is, that yeah, I was about to say, that's what matters anyway. Like, the fact that you have fun with it, like... Yeah. Uh, so, but, what, what was the play? Let's hear it. I win game one, but he goes first, game two, and I hop miss on his turn. And he dimension shifters. Okay. Um, Broken card. And what's he and, playing? Uh, he's playing sprite. Okay, sprite with so then he, dimension shifter. Gotcha. Yeah, he saw he sided it in against me because that card's like game against my deck. Yes. But, uh, he ends on sprite red, uh, sprite carrot, gigantic, and totally awesome. And then on my turn, the toad summons dupe from. 
so that I can't attack the sprite red and turn off his negate. Yep. And I go normal Meryl, no effect, special sprite blue. And then he has to negate it, so he negates sprite uh, blue with his red. And then I, my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh card, Distrudo, I activate Distrudo in my hand and target my Havnus, which is a level 3, so my Distrudo is a level 4. Right. And then I use the the Meryl and the Havnus to summon the Dark Charmer, and the Dark Charmer summon his, summon his Dimension Shifter. And then Dimension Shifter is a 6, and Distrudo is a 4, so then I made Baron under uh, Dimension Shifter. Oh, no, not then, like this. And I, like, cleared, I cleared all his cards. Not like this. Yeah, it was. Oh, that play was so gross. It was so yeah. good. I liked that one. Yeah, that's. I mean, the fact that you saw that line and just uh, put it in. Dude, you, I you, thought I was gonna win the tournament if I did that one. Not gonna lie, I was like, you know, you know how you you do the play and then you're like, yeah, I I know exactly what you're like. The best person about. in the room. You're yeah. like, there's no way you're I can like, lose. Did you, did you see, see what that? I just did? Yeah, do you guys see yeah. what the fuck I just did? <laughs> Did, did you guys see that shit? Like, <laughs> it definitely oh, be man. like that. So, okay, you played Jake. Jake was playing. Was he? Play, he wasn't playing Runic Sprite at the time. He was just playing regular Sprite. He was playing Runic Sprite. Oh, he was playing Runic Sprite. Okay. Yeah. And then you have like an easy. Do you do you play Eradicator and do that stuff in your deck? Oh yeah, I main decked it. Okay. So yeah. like, I won the roll against Jake. Full combo through a hand trap, and then like Eradicator him, and the game was over, and then. I lose game two on like a 50 50. Uh, and then I go first game three, play through two hand traps and full combo him again, and the game's over. And then it's like very similar in top 16. I win the die roll, get double hand trapped, full combo. <laughs> and mid, <Mitch is> like, <sighs> and, then, and then game two, if he does not have, I anti magic arrowed him for four cards. Uh, and so he has to have, like, I baited the toad, uh, with my normal summon of fairy tale snow to book it. Um, so it's so ridiculous. Yeah. And it, uh, I'm activating Sharon to pitch another tier element and like, I'm going to like blow him out. And then Mitch has Ash Blossom to negate the Sharon. And I'm like, rats. And so I lose game two, but if he doesn't have Ash, I win that game. And then game three, he double hand traps me again and full combo. Game's over. So he double uh, hand traps you, but you play through it. Yeah. So and this then, is something. Yeah, like, go ahead. So so crazy. And then it wasn't full combo game three actually, but it was like enough, like well 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 over enough. Yeah, because if they double hand trap you, and you still make a board. It's like okay. Yeah, uh, like you have four cards. So I assume that hand traps are just not that good against the tier limits deck. Unless it's like, obviously, D-Shifter doesn't count, because that card's yeah, so It sucks, because the conundrum is like... So th- this is why, you know, you, you complain about the like the people that are like, ooh, Mystic Mind is okay now, right? Like, yeah. obviously, it's not. Yeah. But, but like, cards like Mystic Mind against this Eradicator version, or Dark Ruler No More, etc., like the blanket cards, don't work because of Eradicator. So the only way to really beat the board when they go first is to hand trap them. But the hand traps right now are not that good. Right. So you have to draw like two or three to, to prevent it. 
which is the problem, which is like a huge problem. But yeah, so like, Christian Christian decided yeah. to go the route of playing like a bunch of hand traps. Yeah, he played like fifteen or eighteen, like yeah. something ridiculous. He's topped to to a couple times this year because I remember Hartford. I think it was. Yeah. It might have been Hartford. He topped with like a fifteen, eighteen hand trap deck. Yeah, I mean hand traps are hand traps are great cards, like in theory, and something that like Christian Uran is obviously a fantastic player, so he knows like where to interact where yeah. like a lot of people don't. So like if he if Christian Urena has like one hand trap, right, like. He could sit there and like he'll let a lot more stuff go than like a regular person would because he knows that like uh, only that card's the problem. That's the card we're going to try to prevent. Like you have like DD Crow and they like mill snow or something and you can't beat Fairy Tail Snow. Like you just crow the snow immediately. They don't have enough cards to chain it, right? Right. Where like a lot of people will try to use the DD Crow to like stop you from playing rather than like deal with the actual problem yes yeah that's really smart when you put it that way uh yeah. but uh, your deck how many hand traps are like interruption type cards did you play in your main um uh, in my main deck i played three super poly and two forbidden droplet i only played five in my yeah, main deck so you didn't play hand traps at all no not right. in my main deck and that's and then, i was wondering if that's where it's kind of happened where the Terralimus deck can just play through so much shit. Um, if you just yeah. have, like, a lot of engine, like, you just want engine, right? Like, you just want, I can push through, like, an Ash, I can push through a Crow, Gamma, whatever the hell, people, like, Imperm and all that, Valor, like, whatever people are playing, you can just push through it, because the deck is just that resilient to hand traps. Uh, and it makes hand traps a bit worse. But, on the other hand, it's like, like you said, multiple hand traps can help to like stop the boards from getting out of hand, and then you can use your hand against it and all that. Um, I like when Yu-Gi-Oh has a decision between should I be playing hand traps right now or should I not? Yeah, I hate when I'm like forced to play them. Yes, when, but, like, whenever. Well, sorry. No, no, uh, so, you so, go. Like, well, I uh, well, I said that like you have to like hand trap the tier deck to try to beat it, right? Like the majority of the time. Um, against like somebody playing perfectly you like need hand traps to beat that deck because they're probably playing eradicator um you don't actually have to main deck them because like i'm okay with like you know if tier is not the most popular deck because like sprite is the most popular deck i'm i'm okay like losing the game one after already losing the die roll right yeah because like because like you have to main deck you have to main deck so many defensive cards to even try to win like this blind game one that you lose the role you have to play something like gunther's deck where you're playing like 15 18 hand traps to try to draw two or three and still have enough to beat the other decks as well and like and like diversify your interactions because you can't just put in like 18 cards that are good against the tier on the deck because then you'll start losing to the most popular deck even even if like the most popular deck is not the best deck right which becomes like and that's you that know, crazy conundrum I yeah, do like that idea and that the game is like so so much of a go first game that you're like, if I already lost the die roll, then I don't want to make my my deck worse on game one. Like yeah, I already lost the die roll. So if I exactly. lose game one, I lost the die roll, whatever. My, now I have my side deck to deal with whatever. Yeah, like there's a little bit of luck involved, like at least a little bit of luck involved, no, no matter when anybody wins a tournament, right? Like it's yep. very rare that yeah. somebody like, enters a tournament and like they're always going to win that tournament from like 
deck list alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not like it used to be like in, you know, back in, back in the day from what I've researched and watched or whatever, where like, if somebody has the best deck, like it seems like they win the majority of the time. Right. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot more, there's not a lot more variance now, but there's more variance now. But I also think that that's because like the quality, the quality of cards has increased, which means that like, by default, the quality of cards and like the amount of uh, information that is given given out like through YouTube and all mm-hmm. that stuff now, the average player is also better yep. than they used Inf- to be. Information sharing has made every competitive game, I think, harder in some ways because everybody, yeah. all the scrubs, in quotes, are able to get better so much quicker or in such a shorter amount of time than they used to. So all of a sudden, people that are kind of no names, but they're just fucking YouTube grinders can can like give you problems or know how to do plays. And you're like, how the fuck? Like, how is yeah. this guy pushing me? Like, why am I being pushed right now? Yeah, and you're just like, damn, that, that guy like wanted to do well and like researched YouTube and stuff like that. A bunch. Played a lot of Dueling Book. You know, one of these, you know, whether it's my Metify or Gunther's Metify or Jesse's Metify or whoever's Metify, right? Like these pro players that like, you know, have got the cheat codes down and like know what they're doing. Like people can just pay for that now. Like, Hey, teach me how to be better. And like people yeah. like me or Christian Urena or Jesse, like we'll just do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is awesome. It's awesome. How many resources players have now to become better? Like, yeah. I don't know what the hell you had to do back in my day, but, but like now <laughs> you can literally pay for the best people. Like imagine being able to pay for fucking Billy Brick, Jeff Jones, Patrick Hoban to like one on one teach you how to become better. That's what's available now on Metify with Dominic Couch, Jesse Cotton, Christian Arena, and those guys. Like you can literally, you know, invest in yourself. Or you just you just had to be like either an ultimate grinder or one of their friends. Yep. That always <laughs> helps. Being close to the center, being uh the center where the fire is at. Always help. It's, it's nice to know. It's nice to be in a group where like people come up with good ideas and like people are always uh, dueling and deck building. And I know that nowadays a lot of these a lot of the top players they get on like huge Discord calls and just play on Dueling Book and it's like eight v one on some random guy on Dueling Book that doesn't even know that like he's playing against <laughs> literally eight That's of the best crazy. players in the world. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I I used to do that a lot. I don't play like anywhere near as much as when i was younger like yeah. man younger dom that guy lived on doing books yeah. like i just don't, I just don't <laughs> have time to do that anymore yeah. but like <laughs> i also think it is not healthy to play oh as it's much as definitely I do, not but, it's definitely but, not but they even resources I, like, I like and shit. yeah huh? i think i think that at your age and at your level of maturity now that's what matters more anyway is the the theory like yeah this card is not good and everyone plays it why do people think this card is good? And like when you people realize that, like when the good players realize stuff like that, that separates you so much from the rest of the room. It's like a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people think like certain things are staples or certain things you just have to play this. And it's like, actually this card's kind of shit. If you really think about it, you only want it here and it's bad in any other, every other situation or it's bad against good players, which is even worse to me. Um, that all yeah. matters. What are your thoughts about, uh, so I know people are like really pissed that there's still no ban list. And as far as I know, while we're recording yeah. this podcast, there still is not a new ban list. I haven't seen my phone light up or anybody text me or say anything. So I still doesn't appear to be out. But I was going to ask, 
Like, what do you think needs to happen on the ban list to, uh, I guess, Ooh, make the game? I got some strong opinions on this. I love, I love strong opinions, bro. Give me some strong opinions on how I you think feel. Any card that summons from my deck should be banned. So teleport All needs to go immediately. Tele- teleport, Helga Fibrax, Ace All Day. Um, right. So all of those crazy combos. Like all those, all those cards, gone. And then I think that Chaos Ruler needs to go away. That the card's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that card. That card mills five, and it's two bodies, and adds a card to my hand. Not okay. Yeah, that like card anything, is anything crazy. That anything is that accessible is got to go yeah um, i think that like well it will not be banned because it just came out that's probably elf card has got to go at some point also <laughs> um, that card that card is already is already just so it might be the best card in you damn sprite elf yeah like it's dude it's so generic and like the fact I mean, you you know this, like, making... It didn't need to make anything untargetable. Like, making monsters at points too untargetable yeah. is, not, is not okay. So, it's funny you say that. I was just watching uh, Regionals in Philly. was this past weekend. Yeah. And the guy who got first, Nick Ma, was playing against the guy that got second, Jerome Porter. Um, yeah. And they were playing at table one. It was round seven. I was standing there. I watched the whole match. So, Nick Ma was playing Runic, Sprite. And then yep. uh, Jay was playing Terrellements. And they had a really, really, really long game one. Like, extremely long. And they both, like, comboed off forever. They both spent, like, 10-plus minutes on their turns or whatever. And it, it was really grinding. I was really impressed by the Terrellements deck because he was getting fucked on a lot by the cards that Nick would draw off of the Runic Field spell. And then, like, he would draw, like, Diddy Crow and, like, something else. Like, exactly what he needed. But the Taylor's deck was just like so resilient. It was doing all this crazy stuff. But then he had zero yeah. Boros on the field. So we had to play around zero Boros. And it was a lot. Like it was a really intense game. It was very back and forth. But it got to a point where the Taylor's deck had to summon Fairy Tail Snow. And he went to summon Snow and target a monster that Elf was pointing to. And like Nick was like, yeah, you can't target this. And then as soon as he said that, he scooped. After they had been playing for 30 minutes. This game went on for 30 minutes. And he scooped. When he summoned back Snow and was like, target that. And he was like, oh, you actually can't target this because of Elf. Mm. Like, so Elf is yeah. crazy. And like, some people, uh, sometimes people forget. Like, because what happened, like, the totally awesome just kept coming back throughout the course of the game. You know how it is. Like, that yeah. fucking car, if you don't, if you don't get rid of it, they just bring it back a million times. I think that he brought it back. He brought it back like four too many times. <laughs> and yeah. when he went to target it with Snow to try to make a play or whatever, he's like, yeah, you actually can't target it. And he was like, yeah, that's game. But then he ended, they ended up drawing at the end of it all. And then uh, they got first and second. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, I didn't realize that that, that the elf was like that absurd that you feel like it's literally okay. like top two and it might not be two. Yeah, I think that and like the next cards I think should be banned are like, I don't like extra deck monsters that send cards from like any card from my deck to the graveyard. I don't like those cards. So curious. Like, yeah. Like no curious Beatrice. Like those gotta go fairy tale. Snow should. I love that card, but that card should not have come back. That card belongs banned. Yes. That card is I, crazy. Like, I've watched I can't so understand. many your element games be decided by like, your opponent is like naturally resolving and kick cows and then a snow plops in the graveyard. Now the game's over. Yep. Like, and then, so 
I do think that Mystic Mind should be banned. Yes. But because um, I am not a fan of cards that limit deck building. Like, I don't like that they can't print, like, better field spell cards because Mystic Mind is so broken. I don't like that people are required to build their decks differently just because of the existence of that card. Like, I, I think that that's, like, not cool. Yeah, you're saying um, there's there's not a good support. Like, they can't print better support for field spells because Mystic Mind exists. Exactly. Yeah, and I like agree anything that. that limits, anything that limits, like, deck build, like, like anything that limits new cards or limits somebody's ability to deck build, uh, I don't I don't like those cards. But I do think that um, a card similar to Mystic Mind is, like, a necessary evil because... The game is so broken when you go first that like we need better going second cards. Yeah, I agree with that too. I think that it's funny when people complain about mine. Like, yes, mine is definitely toxic as fuck, but it's also yeah. toxic to go first and set up four negates and tell your opponent to go and act like they can play through it. It's like, yeah, like <laughs> that. You're, like you're also an asshole. Like you're not some fucking um, Mr. Morale over here. Like Mr. Morals. Like you set up all these negates and you're like, yeah, pass. And then your opponent mystic minds you and you lose and you huff and puff and complain as you duck out. Like you are not trying to let me play either. I always think that shit is so funny. So it's just like, yeah, they, they did it with less steps. You took 10 minutes to create that board. They played mystic mind and then you lost. So, but, uh, as far as the balance goes, yeah, I think I agree with every one of your takes that like cars that sent things from the deck, cars that summon from the deck, are very, very broken in today's Yu-Gi-Oh! So broken! <laughs> yeah, like, when Silverman was showing me what one teleport does, he was like, look at what one teleport gets you, and it just, like, was full, this crazy-ass full combo, like, that Chaos Ruler dude came out, and, like, the punk cards are crazy, like, you could just do so much off of just one teleport, or one yeah, starter. I think if somebody has to, like, normal summon the Zayaman to do the punk stuff... It's not actually that broken, sure. Yeah. But like when somebody gets to just like do like like Hartford when people would just go like right of Armistier, is like I I played right of Armistier and teleport in my deck at Hartford. You go like right of Armistier, token, Griffin negate, and then you're like teleport for Zayaman, do everything. Yes. You're like, dude, they can't even interact with it. Like, yeah. So and like, Hawk prevents people good. from Hawk prevents Konami from ever printing good tuners again. Yeah, like, like I, I get, that's a that's a card that not only is just like broken, but like so many cards have paid for that card yes. sin. Yes, as as well as like I they hate just when they do that. They can't I, print cards. They can't I hate print, when the like, rest of the game gets ruined because just like ban- that's the problem. Get rid of that one. Yeah. Why? Why does everything else get banned and ruined around it? Like that's the guy. It's him. He <laughs> has the gun, sir. He <laughs> has the gun. Get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, they'll ban glow bulb and like everything else, right? But then the the actual and issue. Gone was banned for a while. Yeah. Now one. Fibrax is fucked up, and I know that just from Master Duel. And I haven't Wait. played Master Duel in a while, but that card's fucked up. But yeah, this Blackwing Steam the Cloak is banned. I want that one to sink in. Like, what does it do? I don't even know what it does. It's, it's, it is a level three, uh, mon- tuner with eight hundred attack. That when it is sent to the graveyard, uh, like from the field or whatever, summons a token. And and Blackwing Steam's the cloak effect is when it's in the graveyard, you can tr- once per duel, I think. Um, 
It might be once per turn. I think it's once per duel. It's probably once you per can, duel, Because yeah. uh, that's what Zephyros is, right? Once per duel, so it's probably the same thing. Yeah. But so it's, uh, ball, it's like once for... per duel, tribute one monster you control, and you can bring it back. But the combo was, was you go like normal Blackwing, Steam the Cloak, and this card was just so ignorant by itself. You'd go like Almirage, summon a token, bring back Blackwing, Steam the Cloak, Hauka Fibrax, and then you chain block it with the Steam the Cloak <laughs> because it was going to summon another token. And then you have like four monsters already. With just summoning like, his little Blackwing. With just summoning the little bird. And I'm like, dude. Yeah, that is pretty stupid. And this is all because Hawk exists. Is like, yeah, every tuner you print, you have to be careful because yeah. it could just break the game. Yeah, I hate that. I hate seeing cards pay the price for other cards. That's always really, really frustrating in Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, the ban list, a lot of those cards can come off because if you ban the right things, you don't need so many of them on there. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think, is there anything else... Oh, you did mention, I want to talk about this. I'm their podcast after dark now. So you did talk about Dom recently made a Twitter. Uh, yeah, so so I, go follow him on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, oh my God, I should know this. I think it's Dom underscore couch, I think. All right, well, follow uh, Dom. You'll find him. You, if you guys want to find him, you'll find him. But I was telling Dom before this podcast that I have a Twitter as well. But my Twitter, I can't open it in public because it's disgusting. <laughs> My Twitter is just straight up gross. Like it is. I, I want to add on to that. I shouldn't open mine in public. Yeah, I should not. I don't care. I like, sometimes I'll be at work and it'll be slow, and I'll be like, "What's on Twitter?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's right. It's just titties and ass." <laughs> I forgot. Twitter is a wild place. Um, and Dom just made one. I was telling him, I was like, "Listen, when you're on Twitter, just be careful because if you you click on the wrong thing, and next thing you know." You'll just see titties, dick, and ass everywhere. It's no it's joke. Everywhere, bro. Yeah, and, and Twitter so does not good. ban so anything. Funny. Because Frazier, Frazier is like the fifth person that <laughs> yeah. told me that yeah. this week, and that is like, I never even knew that it was it was like yeah. bad. Like that's that. the thing. Oh. I don't think people know. I, yeah. I think that a lot of people thought that Twitter was just like a different social media platform that people. Like I mean, use it's that as, as well. Yes, it's it also is. that, but it's also one of the biggest porn sites in the world. It might be. I <laughs> like, think. It, I think it honestly is the because they don't do anything about it. I still wonder how these people get away with just posting nudes all the time. Like all the OnlyFans girls and stuff like that, they're all on there. They're yep. promoting their OnlyFans. It's like it's like Twitter's where you go to get a preview of people's OnlyFans. It's so interesting when you think about because I don't actually know. I think the guidelines for Twitter. I think you got to be like 13 to make a Twitter or something. I, I don't know what the exact is thing is. I don't, think it's eight, but I don't think it's 18, though, is my point. Yeah. And so, but I also know that porn is not against the terms of service of Twitter. I think you just have to clarify that you have a mature account or whatever. Yeah. But it's interesting. Twitter is a household name. You can talk about Twitter anywhere, and everybody thinks it's normal. Everybody has a Twitter. But it's also the biggest porn site in the world. And that's just fucking crazy. Yep, randomly. And I've discovered yeah. it ran- like randomly. I was just on Twitter. I forget what I was looking for because Twitter just has everything. And I was looking for something. And then next thing I know, I was like, whoa, this is like Tumblr. <laughs> like, I don't know if people remember the Tumblr days, but Tumblr was a wild one. And it was supposed to be for arts, like people who are artsy fartsy or whatever. All I ever saw on Tumblr was fucking porn. And I was just like, what is this? And I never even made a real Tumblr after that. I was like, all right, well, this is this is done. And now Twitter is the same exact thing. It's like, this is just crazy. But luckily for you guys, uh, Dom will actually be using his Twitter 
you know, for Yu-Gi-Oh purposes, right? Like he, yes, yes. his is going to be for Yu-Gi-Oh, and then he'll make a fake one that you guys will know about, and that'll be for all the uh, other festivities. <laughs> that's, the, that's the matter. That's what you got to do. Yeah, I've got I've got more than one Twitter, got more than one Reddit. You know, because Reddit's the other one. Reddit is crazy. Reddit's uh, insane. All right, so Dom, we're going to start to wrap this one up. Uh, thank you so much yeah. for stopping by the podcast, though, bro. I really appreciate it. You are yeah, one of, of the best players in the game and uh dominating for the last several years so it's really just happy to have people like you come on here and just let us know what's going on in your mind like what you think about Yu-Gi-Oh and and like how you've been successful and stuff like that i think it really helps the player base and also just to get to know you better like the things you go through like you talked about your depression and how you've been like you've learned ways to deal with that and then also your weight loss journey and it's a lot of positive things that I'm really happy to hear. Like, and no one's perfect, of course, but like, just happy to hear that you're making a lot of positive changes in your life. Like we all, everyone has stumbled. Everyone has, you know, had times in their life, like really dark times, but you know, you just got to persevere, push through um, one day at a time. That helps me so much. Like if I could offer any advice to people listening, it's just, I try to take things one day at a time. And then even within those days, I say one thing at a time. Uh, so whenever I have a lot to do and I get overwhelmed, which happens quite often, cause I just do that to myself. Uh, whenever I have a lot going on, I just say, okay, you can only do one thing at a time anyway. So just do one thing at a time. It makes it so much easier. If you just start to work on like, I'm just going to do this first. I'm not going to focus on anything else. I can only do this right now and then move on to the next task. Next thing you know, you'll get through like your workload. Um, that really helps me, but yeah, try to take things one day at a time, people. And then it'll, it'll help me- mentally. I, I think, anyways. Uh, Where we go, I wanted to sneak in there. Earlier, real brief, real quick, when we were talking about anime, Dom, you mentioned that you watch anime as well. So before we sneak out of here, I need to know either A, I'm not going to ask what your favorite is because that's an overdone question, but what are just anime that you enjoy or what are you watching right now? Is there anything you're watching right now or anything you're going through at the moment? Yeah, so I'm really excited for the new season of My Hero. Oh, me yes. Hell yeah. Like, I cannot wait to watch that. Uh, Bakugo is literally my Twitter picture. Oh, my I, God. Yes. I, oh, I love My Hero. But um, Naruto, I was watching Naruto, like all of Naruto, like um, while I was starting my weight loss journey. And like, oh, dude, yes, Naruto is great. Like, I love, I love that. Like, I like, you know, the, the like Starbucks anime, you know what I mean? Like that's the, that's the classic. Yeah. yeah. Listen, man. But, but it's so good. Like I love Naruto. And then I've watched like most of the Dragon Ball ones. I like Dragon Ball a lot. Um, I, my first anime that I watched was Soul Eater. That's uh, a yeah. fucking awesome. I love Soul Eater. Kenny and I watched Soul that together. So good. It's, it's the really animation awesome. in Soul Eater is clean. Yeah, it holds up today. Like I love Soul Eater. Yeah, is the anime was sick. And then I'm also excited. I think the new, like the new, I don't know if I would call it season, but like the new arc for Bleach is like actually being animated like this month. Yes, 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 dude. Yeah. October is going to be fucking crazy because it's my hero Bleach. I think Chainsaw Man, uh, I think Mob Psycho 3, like, mm-hmm. October is going to be a crazy fucking month. I also mm-hmm. want to say how you said, like, Naruto and Dragon Ball are, like, 
the anime everybody see, saw, the, the Starbucks anime. Here's what I'll say. You got to have some of those. First of all, I just think they're good anyway. That's yeah, why everybody's also, seen them. Yes. But you also have to have them in your repertoire. I, it's a holdover. Like, those type of anime having a bad rap is a holdover from, like, the earlier days of anime when everybody watched that, right? But then if you're a nerd like me, you got really into anime, so you found some deep, obscure shit that was really fucking good. Like, how come nobody have seen this? And then people would get pretentious, like, this is so much better than Naruto. Naruto sucks. It's terrible. You gotta watch this really obscure anime that's nobody's seen, that has 17 episodes and can only find it on on Indonesian website. <laughs> like, that's real anime. Like, that's it's a holdover from those times. And there's a ton of great anime, but at the end of the day, consuming content and, like, enjoying all that, reading books, watching movies, it's all fun in its own right. However, if you're just doing it alone... It's kind of like, what's the point? Like, if every anime I watch, nobody else has seen, then I can't talk about it with anybody. What the fuck's the point? Exactly. Like, so you need the staples. Yeah, you need the staples. Dom, if you haven't checked it out already, check out Hunter Hunter when you get a chance. Um, yeah, I, I've also heard really good things about One Piece, but it's, it's like, so long. I look at it, and I'm like, damn, you, this is long. <laughs> if you start, by the time you finish One Piece, you'll be my size. Like, Listen uh, Oh man, One, One Piece, Piece is great, but it's going to take you a long journey. It is inspiring. Here's what I always say about One Piece, and I say this to everybody that says it's too long because it is too long. But the caveat there is that every single person I've gotten to watch One Piece, and at this point, it's a lot. They've all said it was too long, and then at some point, they tell me, "Damn, I wish there was more." They catch up, and they're like, "Fuck, I wish there was more." I wish there was more. Like, I wish there was more actual Naruto. And that I didn't have to watch Boruto. Yeah, Boruto is not it. They need to do so somebody's like, like fine. Like like they you get to like the the Kashin Koji fights and stuff like that, and it's like, okay, cool, cool. Like but it's just it's just it's not the same. It's lacking the and, essence of regular Naruto. Yeah, exa- exactly, exactly. It like, just lacks the essence of that. You can't recreate you can't recreate the masterpiece. Bro. Somebody had a great idea though that i don't know why i never really i don't hear people talk about this enough but i think it should be like a more common conversation somebody said we didn't need boruto what we needed was a prequel of naruto that focused on like the three sanin oh like, yep. and like minato and yes shit. that focused oh, on young kakashi kakashi's father when he was around um like just you know like the young version of like jiraiya tsunade because like they don't really get the respect they deserve in base naruto like in naruto and naruto shippen and they're kind of like not a big deal like they don't yeah. really like their their names are these great things but then when you watch them fight or something they're always getting like trashed it's kind of it's like yo these are supposed to be some of the strongest people like i want to see them when they were in their primes when they were really young and like that would just be really cool. I think it would just be amazing. Also, another character in Naruto's lore that just does not, he doesn't get treated properly was the third Hokage. Like, he was supposed to be insane. Yeah. And Hiruzen, yeah. Like, he's supposed to be insane. And then when you, you see him in Shippuden and stuff, and like in, in regular Naruto, he loses to Orochimaru because he has a hard he time killing just him. Dies. Yeah, he lets himself <laughs> die to a student. Like the first time he fights, he dies, and it's like okay, yeah. well that doesn't that doesn't like help his legacy for people who are watching the show. Like I get that he's this great ninja, but we didn't get to see that part. So it would be nice to go back and be like, yeah, let's go, you know, twenty eight years before 
Naruto was born or whatever, and then you get to see like very young Jiraiya Tsunade being because he trained like they got trained by him. Yeah, that that would be awesome. There's a lot of things. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So like, imagine it like because I'd never thought of this idea. That's so cool. But yeah. like, imagine it uh it like ending with like the Nine Tails attacking. That would be perfect. Yeah, and and then like uh, dude, you get to sit there and like watch Itachi kill the whole clan, like watch it all happen, yes. like actually happen. Yes, Itachi would be like, a character, a young version of him. She sweet, like you watch the build up, dude. I wish that she sweet, like I wish I got to see more of she sweet. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, this prequel uh, whole she sweet arc would be fucking awesome. A prequel would like, solve like, all of this. Itachi arc, just chilling. Apparently, like, all of that. Apparently, oh, Tachi's cool. dad has the fucking Mangekyo, too. Like, Fugaku? Yeah. Yeah, Fugaku. Yeah. That's that's all the shit that people want to see. It's I, I think the same thing. I don't know if you've ever played Final Fantasy X. I love Final Fantasy X. It's one of my favorite uh, Final Fantasies. But in that game, you know that um, Yuna's father, Braska, went on the same pilgrimage, went on the same journey. And a Final Fantasy, like, ten zero, basically a prequel where you follow Braska and Oren and shit yeah, go through the journey. So that would be so fucking cool. Because there's so much in there, and then there's also Jet, Titus's father, and his character. You get to see his growth through like these little tiny snippets, but to actually see it and play through it as a game, I think is such a missed opportunity. And it, it I don't it would just be so fun. Yeah, I would be a major fan of that. But I think a Naruto prequel with slap so hard just with all the lore that we already know is there all the characters yeah. that we didn't get to see be badass and get to see them actually like i do want to see like the second hokage fight against all those ninjas that eventually kill him um when he like makes Sarutobi the new hokage he's like you're going to be the hokage tomorrow or whatever because donzo hesitated like uh, there's so much lore that we get in the show there's plenty that they could use to and then like i want to see atachi versus orochimaru like orochimaru tries to take his body like we always get these snippets but I want to see yeah. like what led up because they were partners at one point. Like at one point, those two were wearing their Katsuki coat together, walking around trying to get tail demons together. Like what was that like? Like what was it actually outside of Rushmore trying to take his butt yeah, and stuff? Like you get to see so much shit. Like you get to see like the Katsuki forming. Yes. Like oh man, it would be really really good. I think. And then I, there's other lore points in there too. I think Kakazu said that he fought the first Okage. Like yeah. What the fuck does that mean? Like, how did you fight him and live? Like, did he let you go? Because there's no way you like the first Okage is the strongest ninja. Yeah. Then, oh my god! And then there'd, oh, there'd be such crazy points. They'd, like, you get to watch uh, Dry train at Mount Miyaboku. Yes, that would be cool. Yeah. To see him, like when he first gets Sage mode. So there's a lot. There's so much awesome shit, and that this it goes to show. Like sometimes it's weird. I don't know what goes on in the writers' room, right? Like. Sometimes there's already so much content. Something that I really like about, for example, House of the Dragon with Game of Thrones, it's like they know they bumbled the ending, and then I know there's talks of like various sequel Game of Thrones shows being made, but there's already so much content made. You don't need to make a sequel to Game of Thrones. There's a thousand fucking stories you can tell from George R.R.'s like history of that world. Yeah, you can just go there. That's what they did with House of the Dragon. Instead of the next Game of Thrones show being like some weird sequel, they were like, you know what? There's a thousand other stories he already has written and histories that took place. We'll just do one of those. And it's at the moment turning out fucking awesome. It's so good right now. All right. Well, now I'm going to let you go. Uh, again, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, you guys yes, yes. can find Dom on Metafy. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, you know, Facebook, everywhere. 
Um, if there's anything you want to shout out, Dom, feel free. The floor is open to you. Uh, yeah, so obviously, shout out my Medify at Medify.gg at Dom Couch. And then uh, shout out Top Choice Gaming again, my sponsor. And with with them, also sponsored by Dragon Shield. So check out Dragon Shield. Uh, and yeah, that's Shout out Frazier's podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, no problem, man. It was a pleasure. Anytime. I'm, I'm glad you were willing to come on. This is really good. Uh, all right. So I'm going to give a shout out to everyone over at our Patreon. So you guys know we have I'm Their Podcast Patreon account um, where you can get exclusive content like video versions of the podcast. For example, this one. Uh, there's also exclusive episodes that drop only on Patreon. You literally can't hear them or watch them anywhere else outside of Patreon. So check that out. We'll be recording one for the month of September 2022 next week. Uh, and that one is actually going to be on a topic voted on by our Discord community, which you also can gain access to by subscribing to us on Patreon. Um, and once you gain access to our Discord, you're on it permanently. Uh, I think our cheapest tier is like three bucks. So if you just want to like, you know, support, show, you know, you get with a $3 entry, you get access to the Discord and then you're permanently in there forever. So if like if people want to do that, um, and then you can check out the other tiers. There's some other perks and stuff that people like to enjoy. So uh, check that out. I'm their podcast on patreon.com. But without further ado, I want to give a shout out to Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Garrett, Xavier, Hylian, TCG Automotive, Dimitri Barnes, Alexander Brissett, Vinny Casello, Alex Flamer, uh, Andre Reynolds, CJ, Dub K Dad, One, Dan Vrabel, Dennis Milburn, Joseph Marcello, First to Home, Dallas Ferneris, S. Akuma, Mitchell Niles, Midwest Gaming, William Shapiro, Dimitri Safiridis, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey, Biz, Roz Weiss, Nick Stangel, Scott Polera, Hanso, uh, our two-time national champion, uh, Vincent Zen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hansel is crazy, right? Oh, yeah. Were you about to say something? <laughs> okay. Um, Vincent Zen, Sarah Maria, Sony at the top, or Sonny at the top, Cut Podcast, Alex Ahern, Philip Campa, Jalen Haskins and our newest member, uh, we got Arail Melfi Slump. I hope I'm saying that right. It might be a Raleigh, but I'm gonna say Arail Melfi Slump. If, if I'm pronouncing it wrong, please message the Patreon to let me know. Uh, a Raleigh does sound cool though. A Raleigh, a Raleigh Melfi mm-hmm. Slump. I'm interested. That actually, it might be a Raleigh, and I'm only saying that this is like a deep cut reference. This could not be it at all. But a Raleigh is the name of the main character from a manga called Dr. Slump, which is written by Akira Toriyama before Dragon Ball. Before oh. Dragon Ball, he wrote Dr. Slump, and the main character is a girl named Arale. Well, So the fact that Arale like, and Slump are both in the name. I think you're right. So Arale, Melfi, Slump, for sure. Melfi is, I think Melfi's a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Is that, does that even say, yeah, does that even say Melfi? It does say Melfi. Okay, yeah. So that's our newest patron. Uh, thank you. Also, I want to say this. Every month, right? So Patreon charges the people who are on our Patreon whatever amount based on what you uh, subscribe to on the tier levels and stuff. And if something happens with your payment method, it will like it won't say that you cancel your subscription to the Patreon. It will just say that you your your payment method was declined. And it's kind of awkward because like I'm never going to say like the names of the people whose payment method, because like they give us a list, like Patreon gives me and like Kenny a list of the people whose payment methods decline. Now it could be for any number of reasons, but if you feel like you were supposed to be uh, still subscribed to the Patreon and you didn't hear your name, 
uh, being right out is because you're on that like decline list. I don't know if maybe I should just send you guys a message just to kind of remind you like, hey, it's showing that your thing has been declined, but I don't know like if you actually meant to cancel your subscription and you just didn't or like if it was something else. So that being said, if you felt like your name was missed, and you wanted to be a supporter of the Patreon and you intended to continue to be a supporter of the Patreon because at one point you were, um, it's probably because something happened to your payment method. So just check that out uh, because we we do have a list of how many people, nine people on here that like they're just in a decline section and it's not cancel, which is like a completely different thing. So, uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. I really appreciate it. I always say it goes a long way. Thank you. Thank and you. last but not least, don't forget... Do the things that make you happy, guys, including winning a YCS with your team after you get kicked off of another team. <laughs> Mid-flight, in the air. That had to be, I'm telling you, no, there's not many people on the planet that can imagine how good that felt. Like, it, it had to feel like, so good. I, <laughs> I said I would have fucking cried. So, all right, guys, so, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go... Uh, We'll go watch some more Big Brother, and then I'm, I'm we're gonna do a podcast episode on that new cyberpunk show. Um, so me and Ken are gonna binge watch that at some point. You guys mm-hmm. can expect to see that coming up, but yeah, we'll be back next week for more more podcast episodes and uh, just bringing out heat. I hope that you guys really like this one. Dom is honestly one of the players that I really root for these days. He's just, just one of the good ones, you know. Sometimes, sometimes it's just one, one of the good, good ones. ones. All right, guys, we're out. All right, peace.